0: Of Wes and Walker, text us at 704-570-9610. The Garage Door Guru text line. Steve Carolina Cat was saying there were reports of the Hornets being for sale. I remember when Bill Simmons said that on his podcast. He just threw it out there for five seconds in passing and then moved on. And then we were all left to speculate based off of that one soundbite. We were trying to figure it out.
2: Kind of like his time at ESPN where he just came for five seconds and disappeared. And we all wondered what happened. To
0: oh, him. man, it was a lot longer than five seconds. You think it was that quick?
2: I've just never paid that much attention to um, a Boston Celtic homer who got this platform to talk out of his ass every day on the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. The strays. I Remember mean, I, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I
0: understand some of the universities catching strays. I, I forget who it was besides Virginia. There was another school that I did. Oh, Kentucky. When you said P.J. Washington, I've seen enough from inconsistent Kentucky players coming out, so they caught a stray. And now Bill Simmons is. I was just trying to reference... Some thing come from, uh, from his podcast and there you go. You caught a stray for him or you you shot him. I can't talk right now. Seven oh four five seven oh ninety six ten. Feel free to text us. Um yeah, Steve Carolina Cat wrote in the reports of him the Hornets being for sale. Imagine if Jordan could hand LeBron the trophy and sell him the team at the same time, because we do know LeBron wants to own a team in the NBA. And a 704 number wrote in and said, well said, Fitty. when you said that we couldn't afford the seven other all-stars that it would take for LeBron to win a championship. All right, enough Charlotte Hornets talk. Let's get to second take Tuesday, the defensive edition. I stole your play the first time we went on offense. So you go first with the defensive second take Tuesday. What's your first one you got, what?
1: Okay, the first play that I've got as we talk about this was kind of indicative of his day. Brian Burns had a tough day, 10-15 to go in the third quarter, first and 10. The Bucks get a reverse for uh, a nice gain, and Brian Burns just got completely sucked in. He'd been on Leonard Fournette going inside, and then he gave up the edge to which the Buccaneers took advantage of that and got a nice gain on
0: the Yeah, I'm going to go with the third and 11 for Carolina's defense, and Tom Brady had a pass incomplete short left to Julio Jones. Why does that matter? Well, that was the one meaningful snap that we saw from Josh Norman in a good old-fashioned NFC South battle of 2015 between Norman and Julio for just really one play. And then that would be it. We'd keep Keith Taylor out there. You'd keep C.J. Henderson out there on the outside. And the other plays, I believe it was that play against Julio in the second quarter, and then I think the other nine pretty much came at the end of the game when the the contest was already decided and tampa bay was going to go on and win do you think that josh norman should have been out there at all on mike evans or you know, covering anybody on the outside or do you think that steve wilks utilized him the way that he should
1: have yeah he should i mean the guy was just coming from working at his own coffee shop okay like i said i compared it a lot to richard sherman coming back for the 49ers and Sherman got hurt almost immediately coming in there playing a lot of snaps so I think when you bring a guy fresh off the street to play in that intense of an environment you got to ease them back in no matter how much you might need them Uh, you know at times especially I know fans get caught up in a lot of the nostalgia they think it might be a little bit of something left in him that he could maybe show uh, in a game environment but I think that Wilkes handled it the right way Mm -hmm. as far as just getting him in in doses and maybe thinking that they're going to win this game and that they're going to need him down the stretch for more football to be played but it was all for now.
0: Yeah CJ wrote in yeah Burns should have known that play was a reverse especially when they didn't even block him. Spence wrote in, Walker, I guarantee you that if Josh Norman was covering Evans at the worst, he would be called for pass interference to save a touchdown. He wouldn't just give up a TD. Mm, I don't know so. about
1: that. I've seen some practice footage, and I know sometimes receivers do 18 moves in one-on-one to get open, which gets on my nerves. Sometimes it's such a offensively slanted right. drill, well, but I've seen Josh get smoked in practice on basic routes before, so I don't know about that.
0: Well, remember, everybody was losing their minds. It might have been Christian McCaffrey's rookie year. It might have been a second, but he juked Luke Keekly out on yeah. some route that, you know, he caught you know five yards past the line of scrimmage, and everybody was like, oh, Luke Keekly got burnt, right. and it was always going to be favored. Yeah, people
1: toward... never understand that. Just like pass rush drill is always slanted a little bit more toward the defense as well, so. Did you feel exposed sometimes doing some yeah, of that? Yeah, man, you know.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, some of those drills are a little bit slanted towards the defense. What was your favorite drill in practice? When oh, when God. they said, "Hey, this
0: is what we're about to do." You were like, "Even if I don't like practice, I'm absolutely excited to be a part of this drill rather than some of the other ones coaches were bringing."
1: Oh, man, that's 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 a tough one because I drills you know, I wasn't a huge fan of one-on-ones. I knew the purpose, uh inside drill was just awful especially if we didn't play good that week because the inside just straight runs so it's basically seven on it's it's essentially seven on seven with the front seven in the offensive line and it is not fun because the defenders know you're running the ball so they're coming at you with running demeanor so it's not (laughs) a lot of fun especially if you don't run the ball well the previous week we're going to do it for a long time and so you're going to be tired man i'm trying to think of What drill? I don't know that I could say I enjoy any drills like that. I really just kind of – okay, so if I had to pick, I would say it would be one-on-ones because I'm not going to act like – like I said, it is slanted a little bit towards the defense because they get a two-way go, and that's why I say that. It's a little unrealistic in the game. They can't shoot gaps and do some of the little stuff they do in one-on-ones because they have to keep contained. But it is a chance for you to flex a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll never forget my very first – one-on-ones at Wake after I had uh, set out my transfer year, and so I was going to be playing, and we still had Calvin Pace, who was a top 15 pick in the NFL, top 20 pick, I believe, in the NFL draft, and so you know, my heart was thumping like it was. You know, I was like, man, everybody's looking at me. I transferred from Florida. They want to know, oh, is this guy good enough? Is he Florida SEC good? And so you know, holding my own against Calvin Pace, that was a uh, that was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, well, I was gonna ask if it. You said it was clicky at Florida. Was it at all at no, first at Wake Forest? No,
1: no, Wake man, we had great teammates. You. Now I had guys on my team I didn't necessarily care for, but as far as just the camaraderie on our team, no, we were definitely a unit through and through, man. We had a, we everybody fraternized together you know we had older guys you know giving the haircuts and you know different stuff like that so yeah we had one of the upperclassmen that would cut hair and so we we intertwined with everybody on our team
0: not like florida very no, not like florida i would imagine very different situations florida wake forest gainesville winston-salem i imagine very <laughs> very different situations yeah. you were a part of all right what's another defensive play you wanted to point out
1: Uh, Another play that I would that I would also point out as well was our first Derek Brown sighting as far as just a, a little bit of a splashy play. He stopped Leonard Fournette for a one yard gain, but it was still a play where we saw a little bit of what we were seeing earlier this season him controlling a lineman, getting back there, making a play. Even though they got a gain, it was only one yard. But when I saw that, I said, Well, it's nice to see Derek Brown making a little bit of a splashy play. We hadn't seen that in a while. Yeah, and they were good against the, the run. I mean, I, I know a
0: lot of people were upset because. Because of the lack of pass rush in that contest, but we did see them. For the most part st- uh, stopped both of their running backs, whether it was Fournette or White, they weren't able to get anything going on the ground for the most part. So yeah, in that respect, they were good. Eventually, defensively, we all know it was a problem with the secondary, Mike Evans just burning either cornerback, Keith Taylor or C.J. Henderson, for a few deep touchdowns. The next one I'll go to, 7.30 mark in the second quarter. It was the second and seven for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He threw it short left to Kate Otten, and they couldn't get on the same page really all day long. But that went for 30 yards. The problem was there was a penalty called on Chris Godwin, offensive pass interference that negated that, so eventually into that same series, Marquise Haynes would sack Tom Brady on third and ten. So you're talking about a 30-yard gain being wiped away from a second mistake by the way from Chris Godwin, who was really good in this contest, but also you're talking about him fumbling the football, giving Carolina an opportunity, Mm -hmm. and also picking up a pass interference play, giving Carolina an opportunity. So two mistakes from Godwin, Carolina able to capitalize at least on This one, when they sacked Tom Brady on that third and 10, not allowing them to continue the drive.
1: Yeah, that was a big play. And then I'm also going to look at, like I said, the forced fumble early in the game. I thought that was the play that gave Carolina uh, a ton of momentum when Sam Franklin went through there and did the peanut punch. Yep. Uh, in there. And I really thought that Tampa Bay might – at that point I was thinking Tampa Bay might be in trouble and I was going to look bad on Monday. That's exactly what I was thinking was how <laughs> I was going to look. I was going to go out there and say, you guys are making me look bad, okay? Let's get going. But, no, that was a, that was a big play by them, and I thought that really, really, accelerated uh, the Panthers' momentum because it just felt like that it was going to be their day at that point when they made a play like that uh, after going up on Tampa. Right. Uh, you know, that, that fumble from Godwin, the, the problem is they, they punted,
0: right? And I right. kind of talked about that with the offensive second take Tuesday edition. I just would have liked to have seen them go for it on that fourth and one and see if you can get a 14-point lead because it's not even hindsight. I mean, we had talked about it the week leading up to that game. You have to get out to as big of a lead as possible, especially against someone like Tom Brady. You do not want to provide him with a one-possession game, even two-possession game late in the Late in the uh, in the contest there So I, I just didn't want to see that Alright, last one for me um, The Tom Brady pass in the middle of the field To Chris Godwin It actually led to a Mike Evans touchdown And I thought this was one of the plays That exploited Jeremy Chin in coverage again because they picked on him, and it's a problem with Jeremy Chin in coverage, and Chris Godwin has been killing teams all season long on these, you know, just finding a soft spot in the zone. Well, you know, Chin absolutely has to cover Chris Godwin on that third and five play on the Tampa Bay 25. So Chin is playing off Chris Godwin in the slot. Godwin just kind of leans into the soft spot and then Brady throws it away from the defense even more. So you're talking about like two yards of separation you get the first down automatically but then he's able to pick up 12 total yards i mean you're at you probably allowed godwin to double that gain because chin was playing off of him he didn't you know he didn't put the foot in the ground as soon as he saw that and you know this has been a team right that had trouble attacking downfield I know that they didn't have pass rush, but if you're Jeremy Chin, you have to stick to Godwin-like glue and hope that your pass rush gets home, even if it hadn't been happening. You got to do that on a third-down play for your defensive pass rushers to put their ears back, and just not what was happening. So what happens, you know, you see a touchdown, and I thought are that you, was a big third-down pickup.
1: Are you talking about the guy that y'all thought was Troy Palomalo? that's just the guy? Y'all is in Carolina Panthers fans? Yeah. Are you about to hate on another Panthers? Is that what yeah, you're about yeah, to do? yeah. Another yeah, Panther. Y'all trying to tell me that he was. I don't
0: think anybody. That he was
1: the next coming to Sean Taylor. Wow. Just the guy. Nobody is saying Jeremy Chin is anywhere close to Sean Taylor. Well, them, those first couple of seasons, boy. He was Hon- getting a lot of gas Honestly, out here though, in these streets. We, we can have this convo, though. Are you
2: reaching, dog? Jeremy- How am I reaching? Jeremy- Nobody ever said he's going to be the next Troy Polamalu. When here.
1: he when his first couple seasons,
2: first Panther year.
1: fans were including him in the conversation no, no. as some sensational defensive playmaker that was going to be a cornerstone of the franchise. And I heard game wrecker a he lot of reference. He has the potential to be that no, when utilized he's not. correctly. He's not. He's not.
2: Did Who? you not look at the plays he made as a rookie where he scored two defensive touchdowns in a game? Yeah, I mean, like, you that, know, that's couple pretty good. That guy could be a game wrecker on that side of the ball.
1: A couple of plays. The big dogs make more than
0: a couple of plays. J- Jeremy Chin, his first year in the NFL. Mm hmm was a lot of reason to be excited for a guy that finished second in defensive rookie of the year standings you're right right. he's been a disappointment i don't i don't think any panther fan refutes that from what i see at least like i don't i don't think anybody says yeah jeremy chin is this pro bowl player we got real excited his rookie season again getting second on that I'm just well, making well, sure, man. 80. I just
1: asked a question. No, you didn't. You made a comment. You didn't ask no question. You made <laughs> I a comment about, a question, man.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, Jeremy Chin. I said, is
1: this the guy, you know, that's supposed to be Troy Polamalu, or, you know?
0: I'm just telling you, after the first year, there's no doubt about it. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's been coverage. I mean, when you see Jeremy Chin play up in the box, that's what happens. You know, he makes a lot more plays. Yeah. I, I, think that's, I think that's true. And I think when you talk about his coverage grade, how he gets beat by tight ends? That was even true his rookie season. As much as I like Chin and, and the potential of him, you know, you would see tight ends beat him in coverage a lot. You know, now you're talking about Chris Godwin, which is a really tough cover for sure, but he was just playing so far off of him in that zone, and I, I just thought he was a, a bigger impact player. Phil Snow tried him back at safety when it was the second year again. And so it just never, it's not working out right now. Has he been one of the bigger disappointments in the last couple of years from a defensive player standpoint? I know you never had any belief in him, so I'll have to
1: go to figure. I mean, everybody can't be Hafanga from the 49ers, you know? (laughs) Who? Yeah, who? Best, one of the best safeties, if not the best in football right now. dude was getting his
2: ass struck by Josh Jacobs of the the Raiders on Sunday. Did they win? Mm. Did Uh, they win? (laughs) Not because of him. Oh, okay. Did they win? Uh, but, yes. No, Jeremy Chin has been one of the more disappointing guys, <laughs> but I think it's more because of Phil Snow and Al Holcomb. And that's the biggest reason why, like I've, I've said, even really since Steve Book started emerging as a legitimate candidate to be the, the next head coach of the Panthers, Al Holcomb is not it as, as a defensive play caller, as a, as a guy putting together the scheme, because there's too much talent on that side of the ball that isn't being utilized the way that it should be utilized. So I would like to see Chin to be be used by a guy that could be at the line of scrimmage because, believe it or not, he's a guy that has the ability to come off the edge, sack the quarterback, force a pummel, go back and, and score a touchdown. That's a game changer. That's a game record on that side of the ball. If he's used correctly, he has all the potential in the world to be an all-pro safety in the NFL. Oh God! <laughs> <An> all-pro. <laughs> all he's right. a defensive back, which means a big
1: part of your responsibility is to cover. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you yep. want him to hit, then make him a linebacker. Yeah. No. I'm. I mean, honestly, okay? I'm with you. But then linebackers got to cover too. I don't know why you're enunciating that Because we know Anthony Simmons. We know Anthony Simmons can cover for the Cardinals. He's got a higher coverage grade than uh, J.C. Horn. Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons. Sam Simmons, I'm sorry. Yes. He's I, got a higher coverage grade than uh he's also J.C. JC Horn. I'm not so doing he's J.C. a loser but with I'm more doing it. With more coverage uh, snaps. I, I'm not doing
0: JC Horn talk. I'm not doing this. You, you know, know I what? gotta stir it up. You I don't know, know I gotta, why. you know. No, I don't know that. I don't know how <laughs> you gotta do that. Jeremy Chin, everybody's catching strays here today. Jeremy Chin, it was a bad play, and now here we got onto. I'm yeah. not talking about JC Horn. It's Weston Walker. We're not talking <laughs> JC Horn coming up next. Sports Radio 927 FM. <laughs> Wes and Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wes trying to rile up Panther fans as he usually does. Also riling up Fiddy a little bit more. I didn't know you were a staunch defender of Jeremy Chin. You kind of like this Panthers defense a little bit. Some of the guys they have on that side.
2: Man, back in the summertime when it was just me and Willie P holding down the middays, <laughs> you know, I, I grew I grew in affection. I mean, I had this team in the playoffs. with a Once they had acquired Baker Mayfield... I bought in on all that BS that Matt Rule was selling us. I love Scott Fidler because that's where my nickname comes in. So yeah, I got an it's affinity true. for. Look, I may not be a Carolina Panthers fan, mm-hmm. but uh, I watched this team week in, week out. So I have an objective opinion of the product they put on the football field. So
0: when you look at some of the guys that they have on that side of the ball, it's weird because they've invested so heavily on that side. I mean, you're talking about eight picks in a row, the one year where they draft every single defensive player they can. And it's the only time that's happened in NFL history where a team uses every single one of their seven draft picks on a defensive player. Yet, Wes, I look at this team, and I still feel like I would probably invest more so on the defensive side where you need a second edge rusher. You need a linebacker you trust outside of Frankie Louvu. You know you could probably upgrade the safety position and as crazy as it is you know the second day we're saying this in a row but this the cornerback depth is not great (laughs) i mean they traded for cj henderson they you know they let stefan gilmore go but they obviously traded for him um in a deal with the new england patriots just last year before they let him go sign a deal with the indianapolis colts you had jc horn dante jackson was coming back I at least thought that was going to be a position of depth for this team. And, you know, a couple of injuries, Dante, JC, it's going to be tough for any NFL team to be down their top two corners and then try to replace that production from your third and fourth string guys. But this was a team that built themselves to have depth at that spot. A first rounder in CJ Henderson, a top 10 pick in JC Horn, a second round pick in Dante Jackson. And yet still, they could absolutely add some more talent to that spot.
1: Yeah, they definitely need to go find uh, some help on the other side of that line. It was cool to see Gross Matos get that block field goal, though. That was a nice play from him, but they need somebody over there that is going to help because we see at this point that Burns is a really good pass rusher, no doubt, but he's not to the point yet where he is just dominating linemen and he is requiring two to three blockers in some instances, like you see uh, with some of the other elite pass rushers around the league. So they need to go there. And, you know, as they always say, great defense is built up the middle. And so, you know, you talk about Derrick Brown. You do have a nice piece there, but the rest of that middle is – you know consisting of a Mike Backer and a free safety so they have to Continue to build there as you said The cornerback depth can certainly Use some retooling as well so There's still a lot of work to be done on This defense that's a 22nd Overall in total yard well as we talk About the defense we we do like Frankie Louvu. he has
0: been A I don't even know underrated player Anymore maybe that was true last year But I always thought it was weird that Scott Fitterer during the first time I think We heard from him in the off season when he took questions from the media at bank of america stadium we asked about some kind of pass rush and he said Frankie Luvu's name first before you even got to a Ytor Gros Matos. He did mention Marquise Haynes and kind of the package of situational edge rushers. But I was like, all right, I mean, I like Frankie Luvu too, but are we ready for him to step up to an every down role? And yeah, we're absolutely ready. That guy's been awesome this season. And I mean, as far as an underrated year goes, maybe he's not put in the same category of a Brian Burns or a Derrick Brown. Maybe even a J.C. Horn for some different people. But what do you think about the underrated season Frankie Lubu is having?
1: Well, he's playing really well. And as far as just context, you know, he had 13 tackles in a sack on Sunday. He's got 105 tackles, seven sacks. Him and Mark Fields are the only Panthers to record at least 100 tackles and seven sacks in a season. So that's a uh, esteemed company, especially when you think about some of the linebackers that have played because you're like, man, Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis never had those types of seasons and not saying that he's better by any stretch of the imagination, but just saying that type of stat line, you would have thought yeah. that Keekley or Thomas Davis and one of those guys would have had a hundred tackles and seven sacks. So 2023, he's coming up on the last year of his deal I would think, though, that this is going to become a thing in the offseason as well because with this type of season that he's having, he's certainly going to be looking for a payday and an upgrade to that contract. So I think that's also going to be on the to-do list, and I think that he's going to be looking for uh, a hefty pay raise. His base salary is 2.6. Yeah, we're pocket-watching here on the Weston Walker Show. And uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, especially because you signed – you signed
0: him when he wasn't really on the radar of anybody else, and I guess why would he be? He had not been that type of impact player. Yeah, Wes, w- when you discuss investing in the defensive players, Derek Brown comes to mind. Brian Burns, they're still on rookie scale contracts, so you're going to have to pay a hefty price for both players that are impact players. Also that were wanted, that were sought after at the trade deadline, which led to a lot of conversations, you know, on the show about whether they should have given up Brian Burns for a few first round picks, whether they should have fielded more calls for Derek Brown after they traded Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson, certainly to a lesser extent there as well, man, if you pay those two defensive players, Jeremy chin also on a rookie scale contract. So Frankie Louvu, Jeremy chin, I mean, when the time is coming up to pay all of these guys, you're going to have somebody that's an odd man out. And I, I wonder if Frankie Luvu is the player, because to me, linebacker is somewhat the running back of the defense, and I don't want to minimize the value that a good linebacker could have with this team. But at the same time, what's more important? Ed Rusher? Yes. Defensive tackle? Yes. I think cornerback is more important in today's NFL with such a pass happy league. Now, if you can get a cover linebacker, I think that matters a lot too. And that's why I would love for Jeremy chin to have that ability. But I just think I go down the list as far as the value of linebacker. And if it's valuable, I think you've seen the ability to find really good linebackers as the draft goes on rather than investing first or second round picks. What do you think?
1: I don't know. I'm, the cornerback thing. That's the fact that you call linebackers the running back of the defense. For one, it was disrespectful to running backs okay. already, and then linebackers <laughs> calling them the running backs of the defense. I mean, front seven is Wait, the why backbone is that disrespectful? Because front sevens are the backbones of great defenses, and linebackers are an integral part of those. I don't know if I would go running backs of the defense
0: so but. all right so let's go positional value <laughs> so defensive end and defensive tackle you would agree feel like you just said that that
1: they're more important to invest in right pass rush is definitely premium cover corner i would say two okay all right and then so corner okay well then wait so it almost feels like you you agree with the traditionally, positional value. traditionally yes But as far as I'm still saying that there's no such thing as a guy that's going to take away half the field anymore. All right. So I'm going to decide to do
0: this. All right. I am at the angle where I can see Fitty's face. Okay. You are not. Okay. (laughs) When you said that you'd probably put a good cover corner at the two slot in positional value defensively, Fitty looked at you all sorts of sideways. I'm saying traditional. Traditionally,
1: that's been a thought process do you want the mic? I mean,
0: I'm, I'm interested in what you're going to say to Wes Bryant.
2: All I'm going to say is that if you believe in that, then that really just negates everything you believe about J.C. Horn. Actually, that proves all of our belief. How? Because if he was on the field, and this was the second most important oh, no. position on the field – I think Sunday's game goes a little bit differently.
1: Just because I say that corner, a uh,
2: uh, a premium,
1: top notch cornerback. Because we're not talking about top notch. We're talking about a good corner here, not top notch. Okay, so me saying that doesn't mean that J.C. Horn is, you know, would have made that big a difference in the game. Just because I say cornerback traditionally has been thought of as arguably the second highest most important position in a defense is a cover corner. Because I don't think that those exist anymore. So let me clarify that for everybody gets there. whatever's in a bunch. I'm not even gonna say the word. We're gonna be whatever. I don't know. I'm scared. I'm not gonna force it. <laughs> but I'm either. just saying you can't devalue linebackers like that because the front seven is super important. When you look at the great defenses of this league it starts with their front sevens. Nobody's looking at great defenses and saying, Oh, you know, that secondary is the reason why they're as great as they are. I mean the Seahawks defense yeah, but they had a, they had nasty pass with Michael Bennett, Avril. Oh no, they were good, but they Bobby were. Wagner. Oh yeah, your no, boy uh, uh, Malcolm Smith. Yeah, they were
0: sick up front, front no, seven. Th- they they were they were definitely good, but I mean, you would say the backbone of that defense was the Legion of Boom. Yes, you they got, got, got a lot of the
1: flash, but without that front seven being as good as they are, that definitely would have taken them down a couple of notches. it, it, sure. it, it would have hurt. But so I can't call linebackers a running back of the defense. Yeah, somebody got mad and said T.J. Watt says
0: that's a bad take. T. But T.J. Watt? <laughs> Watt's a pass rusher. I mean, yeah, Michael Parsons is a pass oh, rusher. Oh, okay, he's well, if we're if no,
2: no, they're not. They're pass rushers. DJY
0: is a linebacker. Okay, hold on though. If we're gonna do that, then fine. I mean, th- and but I I I I'm mean thinking to more. Rushers. No,
1: what I'm thinking more of, I'm thinking more of like the Fred Warners of the world, not being a Niners Homer, but Fred Warner is arguably the best middle linebacker so, in football. I, I so I got I'm talking you. about that kind of play. No, and I
0: honestly, yeah. Fred Warner, but he's such a versatile guy, and he's awesome in coverage too. Right. So, so if you're gonna talk, yes, there are outliers here. I mean versatility I'm just talking about your average defensive tackle compared to your average pass rusher compared to your average middle linebacker corner I think if we're talking about that positional value then I think you can go down the list and where was Fred Warner drafted I mean that kind of I think of,
1: he was a second rounder if I So second. you Let can
0: so when we talk like pass rushers you can I know you can find a lot of different players all across the at the NFL draft board I just feel like you can get really good linebackers a little bit later on in the draft too. And that's why I call them the running back of the defense. I feel like you can find talent a little bit later, more frequently than you can at other positions. He's a third rounder. So yeah, I mean, and and I'm with you on Fred Warner. I'm not going to lie. I think he's the best middle linebacker in the game too. Bobby Wagner used to be, I think aging, even though he's had a good year still, but I'd still go with Fred Warner. So yeah, I'm going to be interested to see what they do with uh, Frankie Louvu with Derek Brown. Like, that That's the tough part about all of this with Scott Fitterer. And that's why it would have been nice to have a defense that really helped you get to a postseason, but that's not going to happen. They're eliminated from playoff contention. And Brian Burns said this was the toughest loss of his career. And we also saw a comment from DJ Moore, who's tired of getting used to not reaching the postseason. He's never done that in his five-year NFL career now, all with the Carolina Panthers. So to be without a postseason appearance, I imagine these players are getting extremely frustrated. You heard it from DJ and another first-rounder in Brian Burns. Wes, do you feel like this was the biggest loss for them since 2017?
1: I would I would say so. I mean, there was a lot put on this game. They had a great chance to really uh, – then their franchise trending upwards as far as going into next season, being able to say uh, that they made the playoffs. They were very close. They controlled their own destiny. Uh, they haven't done that in quite a while. So, yeah, I would think with the opportunity that they had, I would say that this is a, a devastating loss for this organization because everything was right there in front of them, despite everything that had happened before that, well, and and
0: right, I mean, I think even all that matters too. The fact that here we are again with such a long drought since we've reached the postseason, you have a chance, you get a lead. Sam Darnold's playing well at the beginning with some nice touchdown passes, and then you just get burnt three times. Tom Brady on the other side, the one doing it to you, and Carolina Panthers fans have never forgiven Tom Brady, just as he's destroyed a lot of other teams' hopes, Atlanta, Indianapolis Colts and in their AFC battles. We've seen that happen a lot because of Tom Brady, Carolina, one of the victims there. So the fact that he was the guy that knocked you out of a postseason berth for the fifth straight year. Yeah. I, I don't know another loss that hurt as much as that one, you know, really since the playoff loss to New Orleans where Cam played out of his mind and eventually, you know, he was throwing to Kalen clay. So, I mean, it's Kalen clay drops the touchdown pass that, that was the the last one, at least that I can remember. I mean, there's been some tough ones, you know, maybe if you go in the second half of their six and two start and, you know, I'm sure there are some losses in the second half of that season where you started to see the playoff chances dwindle away. But yeah, that's really all I can think of, you know, is is there, yeah. So for me, I, I completely understand what Brian Burns is talking about. Now here's another storyline. Surrounding the Carolina Panthers and even specifically Bank of America stadium. So Panthers owner, David Tepper decided to put turf into Bank of America after you had all grass there for such a long time. Right. And so a couple of prominent Panthers players, they've previously called out Tepper on wanting to go back to a grass surface, citing concerns over the short and long-term health of these players' careers, while well, the NFLPA is expected to file a grievance against the NFL and Carolina over the hard, artificial surface, this is according to The Athletic, a league source with knowledge of the situation told The Athletic, and after the Panthers' 37-23 win against the Lions, you know, Jared Goff said the field conditions were below NFL standards. What do you make of this turf situation happening now with the Panthers' Shaq Thompson has also been very vocal. Let's get to Shaq Thompson's soundbite real quickly before we go to US. Here's Shaq talking about the turf situation.
1: I expect your owner to make a change? Uh, it's above my pay grade. Um, I hope he listens to his players, but it's above my pay grade, you know what I mean? Um, yep. Yeah. Did the conditions improve at all during the game? During that game? Oh. No, they didn't improve. Uh, it was the same way. Should have put a heated down or something, I don't know. You know what I mean? But it definitely was concrete on that.
0: So, I, th- I think Jared Goff said that they did a little bit, but, I mean, it's it's all kind of a moot point. I mean, it was still a problem. There's enough to have a, a grievance filed. What do you make of the situation?
1: I mean, it's so bizarre. The fact that the Panthers are, we've heard NFL players, they've been pining for grass Uh, this year, a lot of them have been saying that. But for the Panthers specifically to be called out, and I'm not sure if other teams have, but I know the Panthers are the one that I've heard uh, as of recent that have been called out specifically. Well, it was
0: specifically because of this game against the Lions. Correct.
1: And so, I mean, it's just so bizarre, the fact that we are in 2022 with organizations in a league that makes billions upon billions of dollars it seems like they sign a new tv deal every deal every year worth billions of dollars that they can't get playing surfaces correct they can't make conditions optimal for their players, and it's just ridiculous with Tepper It's just one thing after another uh whether you talk about the the practice facility deal or just all the the different things that have happened this season, some of the things surrounding him, and now this with a playing surface, do you care about the players at all? I mean, seriously, if I heard my players saying something like that and I have the money and the means to be able to change it, I'm going to make sure that my players have everything that they need uh, to be able to succeed. There should be no reason in 2022 that guys should be out playing on a surface that feels like concrete, especially on a surface like field turf. I've, I've been on field turf. We got it at Wake when it first started to make its way uh, across the country. And, I mean, concrete would be the last way I would describe field turf. So, I don't know what they have up under there or what is going on, but they need to get that fit. Well, the problem is what they
0: might not have up under there, and that's the problem. So the Panthers switched to field turf before the 2021 season. They cited the increased activity at the stadium. You had MLS soccer coming to town with Charlotte FC, and you had T- David Tepper's uh, desire to bring music to the city of Charlotte since he was the one that was in charge of all of that, and we thank you, David Tepper. Several NFL stadiums have underfield heating systems, but But according to The Athletic, when Carolina was asked whether Bank of America Stadium has a field heating unit, a team spokesperson declined to comment and (laughs) referred to a reporter to the league regarding all matters related to the grievance. You would think that if there was an under-the-field heating unit, then they would come out with that information because it would make them look good. Right. Not
1: answering it is an answer. I mean, at some point,
0: yes, you would love for this field to go back to grass because the players want that. But at least not at least don't allow it to feel like concrete when you have conditions that are that cold because you don't have a roof right now either. So when you have real cold games like that, which it's not. I mean, yes, that cold where you have a cold front coming in. And what was it? The bomb cyclone? OK, that's not going to be a situation you endure every single season. But it's not like you don't have cold games. So the fact that it was below NFL standards, Jared Goff talking about that, Deontay Foreman, Shaq Thompson. Yeah, it's real unfort- uh, unfortunate, hopefully David Tepper decides to fix that somehow, some way. All right, last Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty?
2: Well, we're gonna give away some Hornets tickets once I'm done with this flash. And their next opponent, the the Memphis Grizzlies, will come to town where their star is facing some off the court issue uh, issues. Uh, John Morant is being sued after punching a 17 year old during a pickup basketball game in an altercation that nice happened crazy. back. Uh, Earlier this summer at Morant's home in Eads, Tennessee, according to the teenager, Morant hit him with a closed fist, knocking him to the ground, and then continued sticking him while on the ground. Um, This all started after a ball was thrown back in Morant's face, tempers flared, and now a 17-year-old got violently, you know, I guess attacked, assaulted by Ja Morant. Wes gave me this story during the break. This first, first, you're probably hearing of it, Walker. What do you make of this uh, this off-the-court incident for the young Grizzly superstar? Yeah, I
0: mean, I, I hope, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, <laughs> I need to look up the story, but it's unfortunate 100% because you don't want to see anybody, especially a 17-year-old, get attacked from somebody in the league like John Moran or really anybody out there. So, I, I yeah, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. If the NBA does find this to be true, whether it's the actual court system where this goes to or the NBA's investigation. It'll be interesting to see the type of disciplinary action put on John ja Morant because, you know, you are talking about an important basketball player with the team that's also going to be in playoff contention. How much does that get into the effect of this? I'm not sure, but there's a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered.
1: Well, from the details I read about this story, I think Ja's lawyer is probably going to eat this case alive. They said that the kid threw the ball at him first, and then Ja said that he felt as if the kid was coming at him to try to fight him. So he did it in self-defense. I mean, in the end of the day, yes, the kid is 17. uh, But, just from the details that I read, I think that the self-defense is probably going to play out, especially if the kid initiated it, throwing the ball and hitting John Morant in the face. I mean, we're talking about an NBA player, you know, worth millions and millions of dollars. So him getting hit in the face with the ball, what if it broke his nose? What if it did something like that? So uh, regards of the situation, Josh shouldn't be beating up 17-year-olds. So just have the kid escorted off the premises, tell him good riddance, get the hell out of here. Uh, you know, there's no need to be trying to fight a, a 17-year-old kid.
0: All right, that'll do it. One more segment to go for Wes and Walker before we then pass it on to Kyle Bailey at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. All right, I'm sorry to the listeners. I mean, to be fair, Fitty said it before the flash. We were supposed to give out Hornets tickets at the end of that segment, but we are going to do so at the end here. Here's what I'll tell you, though. I have a problem with forgetting it. It's my fault. I take ownership of that. But I do want Fiddy to come on the airwaves and say, hey, we're not going to break yet. We're going to hand out the Charlotte Hornets tickets before we go to said break. Like, can you do that for me, or are you just still going to let me look foolish and then go to break without actually saying, hey, wait, hold on, for the listener's sake?
2: The problem I have with this scenario is I am the glue that holds us together. I'm all about building people up. And you're about tearing people down because you always point out my flaws, my shortcomings Is that on right? the air. Even Wes agreed with me while we were in commercial break. Shocker. That so I, did. I, <laughs> I don't want to do the same to you on the air because then that causes friction. No, you're you're saying that you
0: don't ever want to point out my shortcomings on air. You don't want to, Is that what you're telling me right now?
2: Yeah, because if I did, you would never talk. I would just host for three hours.
0: So if you did that, so it's not like you called me really pale yesterday, going to the beach when and we weren't even talking about. Yeah, yeah, and then have that air again and again. It's like you're saying it over and over again to the fact that it is a promo.
2: That's not a shortcoming. That's just like that was
0: a. No, it's a compliment. Thank you.
2: Th- that was just more of like a. Hmm. What?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: what uh, and what's the word you know, a character trait of yours? Like you're just very white.
0: I was about I was about to give you another shortcoming and make fun of your vocabulary for not thinking of it, but th- but I didn't. I w I wasn't gonna do that.
2: You know because you went to Charlotte and I went to the Carolina School of Broadcasting. <laughs> My vernacular is far more expansive than yours. What did that guy say on the text the other
1: day? He's like, they probably didn't even make them read a book. No, probably not. But no, I mean Fitty does
0: have a sentiquential education and there's no doubt about <laughs> it. 704 570 9610. You can text it. In the garage door guru text line, I promise I'm saying it out loud so I remember. We're going to give away Hornets tickets. They're going to be taking on the Grizzlies tomorrow night in the Spectrum Center. So that's the game we're going to be giving tickets away for. So just wanting to You're make sure. Don't forget to plug to
1: Twitter too. What's our handle? W E S <laughs> A N D W A L K E R. West and Walker get oh, us Wes and to Walker. one thousand. West and, and Walker's Walker. going to waddle.
0: If we get to a thousand, that's on our
1: way to one thousand.
0: Uh, on our way to one thousand. All right, let's hit wa- the
1: follow button.
0: <laughs> Please do, and I will waddle. And I promise you don't even have to be the one thousandth follower for our Twitter handle um, to get these tickets at the end of the segment. We're just going to do the whole third collar thing later on, though. Not now. We're going to do that. And
1: I am going to get something for the one thousand follower. Well, I'll pick a follower out of that one thousand. I mean, we're going to have to fi- give away.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to figure it out. I mean, yeah. we don't really, we don't really know. We've promised. Maybe a couple of things here and there, but the but the prize changes. I don't even know what it is. I mean, I know we've talked about having a different hairdo. You know, I know that's been something there.
2: It's okay. LeBron one time promised seven championships in Miami and only delivered two. So it's okay to sell yourself short, Wes.
0: That's <laughs> okay. LeBron did it. So you and LeBron have something in common. If you do not want to change your style up. Let's go to What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. Join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score-free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks dash club. I don't think Fiddy put this in there. Am I wrong? Did you put this in the What's on Tap? I imagine Wes did. No, I did. The Hurricanes and Rangers. There was
2: nothing else to to promote tonight. You know, the <laughs> Canes. drop
0: at 7 p.m. 11 straight for the Canes. They're the best team in North Carolina. Are you going to be watching,
1: Fitty? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that it showed up on What's On Tap. Hey, I f- I'm shocked as well because I definitely didn't do it. No, because
2: yeah. Wes said he wants us to start adding those into the What's On See, Tap. that's
1: why Fiddy's my guy. You yeah. talked about our relationship. We're as strong as ever. No,
2: it There's sounds no like Hornets. it. There's no Hornets. There's no local ACC basketball tonight. Flounder's a Rangers fan, so there will be some talk in the morning show about it. Uh, our new guy, Shroppy. He's a big he's a big Hurricanes guy. And we,
0: we don't call him Coco anymore for no, some reason. No. Why don't we call him? Because you introduced me to him as Coco. Why are we calling him Shroppy?
2: This was an executive flounder and fitty decision. He is uh, he doesn't work under us, although I wish that was the official title. He was my grunt because I want that power of being the boss to go to my head. He's been a great co-worker. He's making our jobs a lot easier. So we took over the liberty giving him the nickname. His last name is Shropshire.
0: Shroppy. <laughs> Shroppy. <laughs> can I still call him Coco or do I have to call him Shroppy too?
2: Listen big bird, you can do whatever you want, right, but those you. in the know, those real WFNCers, years, they call him Shroppy. Okay, all right, let's let's see what happened
0: on this day in sports history. What do you got Fitty?
2: Well, um I was pretty I was pretty geek when I saw what happened on this day in 1920. The secret deal made back on December 26th to sell Babe Ruth from the Boston Red Sox to the New York Yankees for $125,000, twice the amount ever paid previously for a player, was announced publicly for the first time. Red Sox owner Harry Fraze also secured a $350,000 loan from the Yankees as part of the deal. That, of course, started the 84-year Curse of the Bambino, those 84-year drought for the Red Sox winning a World Series title. And then on this day in 2007, high-profile Miami Dolphins head coach Nick Saban resigned after agreeing to return to college football and take the head coaching gig at Alabama. Wes, did you see him becoming what he is now when he resigned from the NFL and returned to college back in 2007? Absolutely not, man.
1: In my opinion, he is the greatest college football coach of all time. I know a lot of people want to say Bear Bryant, but Nick Saban, what he's done in this era of college football is nothing short of remarkable, and he just does it year after year after year. Nick Saban i
0: think he's the best college football coach of all time as well and i mean you saw some success though with other college football programs he did have the title at, he was LSU. Good at michigan state as yeah, well and michigan state he was a good coach but clearly to go to a school like alabama and then just win championship after championship it's absolutely ridiculous
2: where did he coach before he went to michigan state
0: he coached at let's see just at the top of my head i'm gonna guess toledo in 1990
2: you, you look, got something pulled up in front
0: of you. <laughs> no, not me. It's just from the top of the head. No, That's where I am. Toledo. You're, you're some... saying I'm right? Toledo, 1990? Yeah. Michigan State after that. I'm just going to guess he started his career at LSU in 2000 and then went to Miami in <laughs> then 07. did he go to Alabama. college? Um, I'm going to guess that he went to college. I'm just trying to think here. Oh, I'll tell you tomorrow. That's something I
2: can
0: do. <laughs> where did he go to school? I actually don't know.
2: I actually didn't know either because I was going to say Kent State, but that was Lou Holtz. Oh, it might
0: be Kent State. Hold on one second. We got to look this up. Let's get a research team on it. Nick Saban. Yeah, Kent State. Okay, I will try, that. Nice, nice call. Hey, we'll, we'll end on that. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. But we are going to give away tickets. But he was about to kill me, and he would deservedly have that opportunity. I would allow him to kill me. No, we're going to give away tickets right now. If you want to attend the Charlotte Hornets Memphis Grizzlies game tomorrow at 7 o'clock, be the third caller dialing in at 704-570-9610. Don't bring 17-year-old. o. Oh, sh- 704 570 9610. If you want to attend the Hornets Grizzlies game tomorrow, thanks again for listening. Kyle Bailey up next.